The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Welcome to The Views Room, a weekly podcast brought to you by Reuters Breaking Views. I'm Rob Cox, the editor of Breaking Views, coming to you from the Zurich. While investors in developed economies debate the risk of future inflation, Turkey seems hell-bent on ignoring rising prices long after they've arrived. The last man appointed to tackle the country's inflation problem paid the price for doing his job earlier this week. President Tayyip Erdogan abruptly fired central bank governor Nakhchi Agbal, replacing him with someone who opposes higher rates. It's the third such rejection in less than two years, and it couldn't have come at a worse moment. The violent response by investors, however, may be a helpful reminder to other leaders in emerging markets, like South Africa, of what happens when they start meddling in interest rate policy. For more on this, I'm delighted to hand the mic over this week to EMEA editor Peter Thal Larson, who speaks with Dasha Anafasieva and Ed Cropley, two veteran columnists who've spent time in both Turkey and Africa. Give a listen. To lose one central banker may be regarded as a misfortune. To lose two, as Oscar Wilde's Lady Bracknell said, looks like carelessness. To lose a third, well, I don't know what the famous British playwright would have had to say in that situation. Yet that's the situation that Turkey finds itself in. Late on Friday night, President Erdogan fired central bank governor Naji Abel. It's the third time that he's fired a sitting central bank governor in less than two years. So I'm joined by two Breaking Views columnists to talk about the fallout for Turkey and also uh, for other emerging markets, including South Africa. Um, and we're fortunate to have two very experienced columnists who know a lot about these uh, about these countries. So Dasha Afanasieva is a Breaking News columnist who was previously a Reuters correspondent in Turkey. Welcome, Dasha. Hello. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. And, uh, and Ed Cropley is also on the line. And Ed was previously the uh, Reuters bureau chief in South Africa. Hi, Ed. Hi, Peter. So, Dasha, let me start with you. Um, I mean... This seems to be a sort of fairly regular occurrence in Turkey. Um, why uh, is, is everybody so surprised by this? And, and why has there been so much fallout this week in the markets? Well, I think the ongoing tension in Turkey uh, has been that you have a very powerful president, Tayyip Erdogan, who is convinced that high interest rates cause inflation uh, and is also under pressure to, to deliver growth. Um, because he, because there's going to be general elections and a presidential election in 2023, and, unless he calls them early. And on the other hand, in contrast to that, you have traditional monetary theory, which says that in order to battle inflation, which stands at 16% year on year in Turkey, you need to hike rates. Um, now, that and that tension's been ongoing for a very long time. And the, the most sort of dramatically positive thing that Erdogan did was the last time he fired a central bank governor, he replaced him with this guy who came in and said, no, we're definitely hiking rates and we're going to have tight monetary policy, um, you know, for a, re- for a really long time. And he seemed to be following following through on that, um, you know, that he hiked rates 875 basis points. But it was the last rate hike that really proved too much for Erdogan because it was 200 basis points. It was twice what markets expected. And, you know, and he couldn't he couldn't hold the line on it. He couldn't take it. So he got got rid of Arbol and replaced him with somebody 
with arguably not enough experience, but who toes that unorthodox line? So we have, okay, in one corner we have uh, conventional macroeconomic theory, and in the other corner we have the president who believes that um, uh, raising interest rates causes inflation. So, um, well, I guess, I mean, what we at least we have is a <clears throat> an interesting case study where we're going to find out maybe who was right. But uh, I mean, I guess just to go back to that tension, I mean, uh, inflation in Turkey is still very high, isn't it? So, I mean, could you argue that that, that the outgoing governor um, had sort of failed to control inflation? I don't think he can because uh, he'd only been in the job for four months, which I guess adds to why, you know, why it was surprising for markets. And the previous uh, policy, which was pretty much um you know not not keeping rates they were still high um you know by definitely by global standards and that's obviously uh, always the turkish argument how come you get to get have negative interest rates and we don't and of course they were high but a lot of the time they were negative in real terms and and the previous policy of selling central bank reserves uh, to prop up the lira and using these back channel ways of preventing you know western banks from shorting it also wasn't working um but you know at least at least markets really had faith in this in this new guy although he's not new in terms of the the political uh, apparatus in turkey he's been a- around for a while um and uh, and yeah that you know they had faith that he was going to make it work and that you know that the, the uh, inflation was expected to fall this year yeah so he's so he's gone and Obviously, the pretty dramatic market fallout, the lira, as you wrote uh, the other day, the lira tumbled. Um, uh, people are worrying again, again, again about the impact on on Turkey's financial system and on its banking system. I guess the question is, what happens now? I mean, this new person, Shahab Kavjiolo, apart from writing some, you know, I, I wonder if actually we should have taken our cue from the pro-government press, which after this massive rate hike had these articles saying this is a disaster and, you know, inflation's going to go up and that shouldn't have happened. And he was one of these people who was staunchly against uh, tighter monetary policy. So th- I think the expectation is that he'll cut rates um, maybe before people are saying maybe he'll do it at an off-calendar time, so not wait until a central bank meeting. But, you know, the market reaction was so dramatic that I don't know if that's what they'll be doing. And I guess if, you know, we saw in the in the, in the the first days the, the government trying to, the, the bank trying to use other methods, backdoor methods to, to control the collapse. So I think the really big and somewhat scary question for international investors is what other sort of effectively capital controls Turkey is going to employ to prop up the lira Um, because you know the prospect of spiraling inflation is absolutely awful for you know for its citizens the last time in in, uh, August 2018 when it really got out of hand uh, the year after that you sort of had you know, people crying in supermarkets because they couldn't pay for their groceries um, and, you know, really had a negative standard, uh, deteriorative um, impact on people's standard of living. So trying to work out also that, yeah, the real impact and what's kind of backdoor support and capital controls versus the real level of these indicators is also going to be a big challenge for investors, I think. 
I see. Now, I mean, Ed, um, uh, in these situations, um, quite often what happens is is people start talking about emerging markets, um, and you know, emerging markets is a catch-all phrase for it seems like everything from China on the one hand to uh, Turkey and South Africa and, and Brazil and various other countries. Um, and people also start talking about contagion. Um, and I guess I wonder, I mean, with your sort of South African perspective on, uh, is there a bit of nervousness or should there be a bit of nervousness in Johannesburg about watching what's happening in Turkey and thinking this is going to affect us too? Well, certainly in, in the years gone by, you would look at whatever Erdogan was doing and you'd hold your breath and put your head in your hands and shake it and, and wonder, God, what, what has South Africa done to deserve this now? Because yeah, in 2018, when Erdogan was also having a rant against foreign investors and he was appointing his son-in-law to run the finance ministry and the lira, the lira lost 30% in a couple of days and South Africa, through no fault of its own, got whacked by uh, global investors almost to the same extent. I think the rand was down 15% in two trading sessions, having done absolutely nothing um, of its own or off its own bat. Yes, South Africa has scored plenty of own goals over the last decade um, under President Jacob Zuma. Um, but, but this, in this particular instance in 2018, it did nothing wrong and, and took a real thumping. Um, the really interesting thing in the last week, over the last few days rather, is that there's been no reaction at all um, in South African capital markets. Um, you know, when the lira was down as much as 12, 13% on Monday, the rand actually increased in value against the dollar, uh, which shows that there's, when it comes to inflation and inflation management, um, South Africa is getting considerable amount of, of credibility, I suppose, from international investors, which speaks to the very orderly regime um, and the adherence to, to monetary orthodoxy that has prevailed um, in the South African Reserve Bank in Pretoria since the end of apartheid in 1994, and yeah, you know, they've made many they've made many missteps um, on economic and monetary so economic policy over the last 20 years. But monetary policy, they've really they've pretty much got it right. Yes, and I suppose I mean there is a broader debate here about sort of central bank independence and maybe central bank credibility. Um, Turkey seems is definitely one extreme. The president fires the governor whenever, you know, after four months. Um, uh, South Africa maybe is sort of a little bit on the other side. And you wrote a piece Ed, this week, which seems to be sort of making the point, actually, that this this cautionary tale from, from Turkey kind of strengthens the hands of, of, of South Africa and other, other emerging markets to basically say, you know, leave your, leave your central banker alone. Uh, well, that's very true. And just picking up on one very interesting thing that Dash has said, that, you know, in the last real inflation spike in Turkey, you had ordinary Turks um, going to supermarkets and bursting into tears because they're looking at the price of everyday goods, staple food, you know, baby milk, what have you on the on the shelves and bursting into tears because they simply can't afford this to their families and feed their kids. Um, and th this is the argument that the South African Reserve Bank governor, Lesetja Khanyako, makes every time he comes under attack from especially the left wing of the ANC is trying to say, you know, the Reserve Bank needs to abandon inflation targeting it needs to go through a pro-growth mandate, stimulate the economy, create more jobs, um, and that's the way to lift up the everyday wealth of South Africans. And the, the Reserve Bank comes back and says, no, 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 if inflation gets out of control, everybody gets hurt, and the people who get hurt worst 
are those at the bottom of the pile, the people who don't have access to sophisticated saving products like rich South Africans. And so it's the everyday mums and pops and you know, guys living in townships around some of the big cities who really get thumped by rising prices. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, I guess that's the sort of statement of the of the orthodoxy. I guess the interesting context sort of globally here at the moment is that we're kind of having this debate in the West as well. Right? We're sort of having this debate in the US and in the EU to a certain extent, which is that uh, there is a there is a view um, which is being expressed by the Federal Reserve and also to a certain extent by the by the ECB that. Um, Invest, central banks need to do lots of things to stimulate the economy um, and um, and let the economy run hot, to, to, to use the, the, the popular phrase. Um, and that actually, if inflation goes up a little bit, I mean, admittedly, there is almost no inflation at the moment, but if inflation goes a little bit above sort of 2% for a bit, that that's not the worst thing in the world. And I guess I wonder with maybe looking at it, Dasha, from your perspective, or also you, Ed, I mean, does the, does the how does the broader debate in some of the in some of the developed countries, how does that play out then given in, in some of these other places where, where inflation is historically and even now being much more of a problem? I think that's in Turkey, that's sort of the pro-government line of why, you know, why are Western investors from countries where interest rates are almost zero telling us what to do and isn't this ridiculous? But the the sort of the order of a magnitude of inflation in um in the, the in Europe the risk that you know the, the inflation that we are afraid of in developed economies is nothing like what's happening in Turkey the counter argument to that of course is that arguably Turkey has um a lot much lower a government indebtedness and can raise debt and is sort of if you look at its macro fundamentals they're actually not bad at all um, so it doesn't, you know, it doesn't grade badly across the board. Like another example, though, is Russia, where there it just speaks to Ed's point about uh, the populist case for tight monetary policy and arguably the compassionate case for, for tight monetary policy. You know, they're really afraid of inflation there um, and, you know, are keeping rates as, as high as possible and also sort of you know trying to bring in measures to bring down food price inflation because they're hyper aware of it and i think i think there's sense in that um, in, in south africa of course you've also got one other um phenomenon that, that plays on the minds of, of a lot of people which is it's right next door to zimbabwe um which you know the economy there has imploded many times under the the weight of inflation and hyperinflation I think in 2008, 2009, before they abandoned the Zimbabwe dollar, it was under 500 billion percent inflation. Literally, you know, pe- people were smoking cigarettes made out of 10 million Zimbabwe dollar notes. And you, you have a very large um, Zimbabwean diaspora in South Africa. They tend to be very, very successful. They work very hard and contribute a huge amount to the domestic economy. And that rubs off on your average South African. They, they've seen what the, the ravaging that inflation can act on on the economy on on people. Yeah, well, that's a that's a very good cautionary note on which to end. Um, but I guess this debate is going to play out both uh, both in Turkey and and I guess in South Africa and uh, other emerging markets, but also in the West. And uh, we will follow with interest. Thank you both for your time. Thanks so Pleasure. much. 
That's our show for this week. Thanks to our producer, Freddie Joyner in New York. Our final thanks go to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you go to get high-quality podcasts. Check us out every day at breakingnews.com, too. Thank you.